Welcome to Zichud Afsi Ram Goldar, and today we're Zechus Yuma Dafya Dalad. The first parak, Shiva's Yamim. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, the next Mishnah states, Koshiva's a Yamim, who Zorak as a Dam, Umakdir as a Katoris, Umetiv as a Neros, Umakriv as a Rosh, as a Rego. All seven days of the Kohen Gadol sequestered, he throws the blood, burns the Katoris, prepares the lamps, and offers the head and the hind leg of the Tamid. This was done to make the Kohen Gadol proficient in the various aspects of the Avoda, which were not typically assigned to him. Rav Chisa says that Rabbi Kiva cannot be the ton of the mission, since he said, Tahor shenafalav hazah timatuah, a Tahor person, upon whom fell a sprinkling of water containing the Parduma ashes, thereby becomes Tameh. Since we know that hazah is done on the Kongado all seven days, how would he be able to perform the Avodah during this time? The Gemara explains Rabbi Kiva's reasoning. The Pazit could have said, Vehiza hatahor alav, the Tahor person shall sprinkle the purification waters upon him, and it would be obvious that the person who is being sprinkled upon is Tameh. Why did the Pasuk add the words Al-Hatameh upon the Tameh? We can infer from here, Al-Hatameh Tahor, Vahatahor Tameh. The Tameh person becomes Tahor, and the Tahor person becomes Tameh. The Rabban say it's a Kavachomer. If the Tameh person becomes Tahor, doesn't it follow that the Tahor person should remain Tahor? Pointing to the more questions how Rabbi Kibu would respond to the Rabban's Kavachomer, and answers that he would respond that with respect to this Kavachomer, Shlomo Melch stated, Amarti Echama Vihirochokimimeni. I said I'd become wise, but alas, it's still beyond me. We see that even though the Kavachomer dictates that the Tower person should remain Tower, Shlomo Melch himself acknowledged the phenomena that he in fact becomes Tameh. According to the Rabbanan, what Shlomo Melch found beyond comprehension was the fact that the one who sprinkles the waters and the one upon whom the waters are sprinkled are both Tahor, whereas the one who touches the waters for purposes other than sprinkling becomes Tameh. When the Rabbanan are challenged the fact that the Pasuk states that the Mazah, the one who sprinkles Shal Mursa's garments, clearly indicating that he's Tameh, the answer to the word Mazah is referring to the one who carries the water for reasons other than sprinkling. The reason that he's referred to as the Mazah is to teach that he only becomes Tameh if he's carrying the minimum shear for Hazah. And point number three, the Mishnah stated, Umaktiros a Katoris, Umetives a Neros, that the Kongado burned the Katoris and prepared the lamps during his seven days of being sequestered, which implies that the Katoris was burned first. This contradicts the Mishnah and Tami that details the daily lottery which determined which Kohanim were privileged to perform each part of the Avoda. It lists the Kohanim who was Zoha to clear the ash from the Mizbech Zahav, the one who was Zoha to prepare the menorah, and the Kohanim who was Zoha to burn the Katoris. Here, the Mishnah implies that the Katoris was burned after the preparation of the lamps. Rabbi Yochan answered that the Tana of the Mishnah here is Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah, whereas the Mishnah and Tamid reflected the opposing view of the Chachamim. So once again, the three points are number one. The next Mishnah states, Koshiva Siyamim, Huzorak Hazadam, Makdir Hazkatoris, Metiv Hazaneros, Umakriv Hazarosh Hazarego. All seven days that the Kongadol is sequestered, he throws the blood, burns the Katoris, prepares the lamps, and offers the head and hind leg of the Tamid. Now this was done to make the Kongadol proficient in the various aspects of the Avodah, which were not typically assigned to him. So Rabbi Chisa says Rabbi Kiva cannot be the town of the Mishnah since he said, Tower Timatuva, a Tower person, upon whom fell a sprinkling of water containing the Parduma ashes, thereby becomes Tameh. Since we know that Hazah is done on the Kongado all seven days, how would he be able to perform the Avodah during this time? The Gemara explains Rabbi Kiva's reasoning. The puzzle could have stated, The Tower person shall sprinkle the purification waters upon him. And it would be obvious that the person who is being sprinkled upon is Tameh. Why did the Pasuk add the words Allah Tameh upon the Tameh? We can infer from here, Allah Tameh Tahor, Vaha Tahor Tameh. The Tameh person becomes Tahor, and the Tahor person becomes Tameh. The Rabban say it's a Kavachomer. 
If the Tame person becomes Tahor, doesn't it follow that the Tahor person should remain Tahor? Pointing to the Gemara questions how Rabbi Kiva would respond to the Rabban's Kavachomer and answers that he'd respond that with respect to this Kavachomer, Shlomo Melch stated, I said I'd become wise, but alas, it's still beyond me. We see that even though the Kavachomer dictates that the Tahor person should remain Tahor, Shlomo Melch himself acknowledged the phenomenon that he in fact becomes Tame. According to the Rabbanan, what Shlomo Melch found beyond comprehension was the fact that the one who sprinkles the waters and the one upon whom the waters are sprinkled are both Tahor, whereas the one who touches the waters for purposes other than sprinkling becomes Tameh. When the Rabbanan are challenged to the fact that the Pasuk states that the Mazah, the one who sprinkles Shalom versus garments, clearly indicating that he's Tameh, the answer that the word Mazah is referring to the one who carries the water for reasons other than sprinkling. The reason that he's referred to as the Mazah is to teach that he only becomes Tameh if he's carrying the minimum shear for Hazah. And point number three, the Mishnah stated, that the Kohen Gadol burned the Katoris and prepared the lamps during the seven days of being sequestered, which implies that the Katoris was burned first. This contradicts a Mishnah in Tommy that details the daily lottery, which determined which Kohanim were privileged to perform each part of the Avodah. It lists the Kohen who was Zohar to clear the ash from the Mizbech HaZahav, the Kohen who was Zohar to prepare the menorah, and the Kohen who was Zohar to burn the Katoris. So here the Mishnah implies that the Katoris is burned after the preparation of the lamps. Rabbi Yochanan answered the Tana of the Mishnah here is Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah, whereas the Mishnah Tamin reflected the opposing view of the Chachamim. Alright, so now we go to our Simber Daf Yadalad, and our standard Simon is a Yad, a hand, a hand. So here goes. The Kohen, who took great pride in his skillful hands when it came to aiming and doing Hazal, was so embarrassed when he accidentally sprinkled a tower person, making him Tameh, that he carried the Mechatas away for no reason, making himself Tameh, thereby losing his opportunity to burn the Katoras and prepare the menorah. Once again, in slow motion. The Kohen, who took great pride in his skillful hands, hands, that must be run off, Yudalad. The Kohen, who took great pride in his skillful hands when it came to aiming and doing huzzah, was so embarrassed when he accidentally sprinkled a tower person, making him Tameh, which reminds the next mission taught that all seven days of the Kohen Gadol is sequestered, he does the Avoda in order to make him proficient in the various aspects of the Avoda, which were typically not assigned to him. Rav Chissa says Rav Kiva cannot be the ton of the Mishnah, since he said, a Tahor person upon whom fell a sprinkling of water containing the Paraduma ashes, thereby becomes Tameh. Since we know that Hazah is done in the Kohen Gadol all seven days, how would he be able to perform the Avoda during this time? The Gemara explains where Rekiva's reasoning. The Pasuk could have stated, The Tower person shall sprinkle the purification waters upon him, and it would be obvious that the person is Tameh. Why did the Pasuk add the words Al-Hatameh upon the Tameh? We can infer from here, Al-Hatameh Tower, Ba'atower Tameh. The Tower person becomes Tower, and the Tower person becomes Tameh. The Rabban say it's a Kavachomer. If the Tameh person becomes Tower, doesn't it follow the Tower person should remain Tahor? So the Kohen who took great pride in his skillful hands when it came to aiming and doing Hazal was so embarrassed when he accidentally sprinkled the Tower person, making him Tameh, that he carried the Mechatas away for no reason, making himself Tameh. Which reminds the more questions how Rabbi Kiva would respond to the Rabban's Kavachomer and answers that he'd respond that with respect to the Kavachomer that Shlomo Melk stated, Amarti Echama Vihirochokamimeni. I said I'd become wise, but alas, it's still beyond me. We see that even though the Kavachomer dictates that the Tower person should remain Tower, Shlomo Melch himself acknowledged the phenomena that he, in fact, becomes Tameh. According to the Rabban, what Shlomo Melch found beyond comprehension was the fact that the one who sprinkles the waters and the one upon whom the waters are sprinkled are both Tahor, whereas the one who touches the waters for purposes other than sprinkling becomes Tameh. When the Rabban are challenged the fact that the Pasuk states that the Mazah, the one who sprinkles Shalom versus garments, Clearly indicating that he is Tameh, they answered that the word Mazah is referring to the one who carries the water for reasons other than sprinkling. 
The reason that he's referred to as the Mazes to teach that he only becomes Tame if he's carrying the minimum shear for Hazah. So the Kona took great pride in his skillful hands when it came to aiming and doing Hazah, was so embarrassed when he accidentally sprinkled a tower person, making him Tame, that he carried the Mechatas away for no reason, making himself Tame, thereby losing his opportunity to burn the Katoras and prepare the menorah. Which reminds the Mishnah here that states that the Kohen Gala burned the Katoras and lit the lamps during his seven days of being sequestered, which implies that the Katoras was burned first, goes according to Rabbi Shimon Isha Mitzvah, whereas the Mishnah Tamid, the teacher that the Katoras is burned after the preparation of the lamps, reflects the opposing view of the Chachamim. So once again, the Kohen who took great pride in his skillful hands when it came to aiming and doing Hazat was so embarrassed when he accidentally sprinkled that tower person making him Tameh, that he carried the Mechatz away for no reason making himself Tameh, thereby losing his opportunity to burn the Katoras and prepare the menorah. All right, now it's time for a four blot back Chazara. Daf Yud. So the symbol Daf Yud is a minion of Yidin. So here goes. The minion of Yidin. Minion of Yidin. That must mean we're on Daf Yud. The minion of Yidin that was played by noisy children running through playing Persians versus Romans, which reminds us, Rabbi Shubin Levi said in the name of Rabbi, I see the Romi Shetipo Pras. Rome is destined to fall into the hands of Persia based on a Pasuk in Yermiel. Rabbi Yehuda, but Rabbi Eli also said that Rome will fall into the hands of Persia based on a Kavachomer. Rab said, I see the Pras Shetipo Romi. Persia is destined to fall into the hands of Rome. When he was questioned whether it made sense that the builders, referring to Persia, should fall into the hands of the destroyers, referring to Rome. He answered, yes, Gezeris and Melchi, such is the decree of the king. Others say, the Rav answered that Persia also destroyed many synagogues. So the minion of Yidin that was played by noisy children running through playing Persians versus Romans finally convinced the kids after nine months to play Mashiach times, which reminds Rav Yudah said in the name of Rav that Mashiach will not come until the wicked kingdom of Rome has overrun the entire world for nine months. As it says in Michal, Chen Yidemad Eis Yoleda Yolada, Therefore, he will surrender them until the time that one gives birth. Then the rest of his brothers, referring to the Mashiach's brothers, will return with Bnei Israel. Rashi on the Pusik explains that after nine months, the rest of the Mashiach's brothers, referring to the rest of Shevet Yehuda, will join the other Shvatim and form a unified kingdom in Eretz Israel. So the minion of Yidin that was played by noisy children running through playing Persians versus Romans finally convinced the kids after nine months to play Mashiach times inside a little chamber that wasn't a prison because it had a mezuzah affixed to the door. Which reminds us, it was taught in a bright Sokol Shakushay of Mikdash, all the chambers in the base of Mikdash had no mezuzahs, except for the Barhadron chamber, since it served as a dwelling for the Kongadol the week before Yom Kippur. Rebuda said that there were several chambers that served as dwelling places, referring to the places where the Kohanim Levim, who guarded the base of Mikdash, would stay. Yet they had no mezuzahs. Rather, it was a derabundant requirement that the Lishchus Barhadron had a mezuzah. The Gemara on base brings Rabbah's explanation that according to Rabbi Yehuda, Dirus Balkorcha Loshma Dira, an enforced residence, is not considered a residence. Therefore, the Lushkas Parhedrin was not Chaim and the Raisa to have a mezuzah. The Rabbanan enacted a Chiyam mezuzah, Shua Yomru Kongado Chavish Babes Asurin, in order that people should not say the Kongado is locked in jail. The absence of the mezuzah would draw attention to the forced nature of his stay. Daf Yudolf, so the symbol Daf Yudolf is stars. So here goes. In their attempt to break the world record for the largest number of mezuzahs in a single province, the inhabitants stuck gold stars. Gold stars, that must mean we're on Daf Yudolf. In their attempt to break the world record for the largest number of mezuzahs in a single province, the inhabitants stuck gold stars on every gate. Which reminds the Rabban taught in a price, the Pasuk says, Ubisharecha, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Plural. This teaches that whether they are gates of houses, gates of courtyards, gates of provinces, or gates of cities, they have the Chovas Mitzvah of Mezuzah. Rush explains that that Shari Medino's gates of provinces require mezuzahs in a case where the province is surrounded by mountains and forests for many miles and people can only enter through gates. 
So in their attempt to break the world record for the largest number of mezuzahs in a single province, the inhabitants stuck gold stars on every gate and made sure to include curved archways, which reminds us it was Tom to Bryce, in the case of a kippah, a curved archway, Rabbi Meir requires a mezuzah, and the chamim exempted from a mezuzah. Abai clarifies that Rabbi Meir and the chamim disagree in a case when the archway is ten tefachim high, and the archway's legs have a height of three tefachim, before the opening between them narrows to less than that of four tefachim. But the archway is not four tefachim wide, along the entire minimum height of ten tefachim. However, the wall surrounding the archway is large enough to allow one to carve into it to complete the entranceway to the full four tefachim along the height of the ten tefachim. Rabbi Meir holds Chokikim We view the entrance as if it's enlarged since it has the potential to do so, but the Rabbanon hold Ein Chokikim Hashim. We do not take the potential into account, but consider the archway as it presently stands. So in their attempt to break the world record for the largest number of mezuzahs in a single province, the inhabitants stuck gold stars over every gate and made sure to include curved archways, shuls, and women's houses on the right side as people enter. Which reminds us, it was taught in a brisa, basic nesses, basic isha, basic shutfim, chayevitz, mezuzah. A shul, a house of women, and a house owned by partners require a mezuzah. One might have thought, beisecha, your house implies, and not her house, and not their houses, referring to a shul and house owned by partners. That's why we don't actually drive these conclusions answer because the next passage states, in order to increase your days and the days of your sons. Do these people who own houses independently have a need for a long life, but not women and partners? Of course not. The Gemara then asks, then what's the need of the Pasuk stating Beisecha? And brings Rav who answers Derek Biascha, the word your house may be read your entry, indicating that the mezuzah should be affixed the way you enter. And when a person lifts his feet to enter a house, he lifts his right foot first. The Torah therefore teaches that the mezuzah should be affixed on the right side as a person enters. Daf Yudbeis, so the standard symbol Yudbeis is 12 brothers. So here goes. The 12 brothers, 12 brothers, that must be more on Daf Yudbeis. The twelve brothers who are fighting over who gets to put the model in his beach in their room, which reminds the Gemara brings about Chokos and I'm whether houses in Yushalayim can become Tame from Tumatsuras based on the condition that Tumatsuras occurs Be'erzachuzaschem, the land of your inheritance. The Tanakama rules that they cannot because he holds Yushalayim on his Shvatim Yushalayim was not apportioned among the Shvatim and is therefore not considered an inheritance. Rabbi Yudah rules that houses in Yushalayim can become Tame as he holds that Yushalayim was apportioned to the Shvatim. A price is brought to support Rabbi Yudah that states, Maya Bechelko Yudah, which parts of the base of English were in the portion of Shebi Yehuda, are Bayez, Loshakos, Azaros. And which parts were in the portion of Binyamin, the Ulam, the Heichol, and the base Kodesh Kodashim, and a strip of land which projected from the portion of Yehuda and entered in the portion of Binyamin, Vahya Mizbech Banu, and on it, the Mizbech was built. And Binyamin aside was pained by it each day because of his longing to absorb it into his territory. We see from here, though, that Yishalim was a portion to the Shvatim. The Gemara then brings a price that supports the Tanakama. So the twelve brothers who are fighting over who gets to put the model of the Mizbech in their room were finally convinced by the oldest brother, who pretended to be a newly invested Kohen Gadol in Yom Kippur with his linen belt, that it belonged to him, which reminds us. The Gemara says that while it's obvious that if a Kohen Gadol becomes disqualified the morning of Yom Kippur, before the Tamil Shal Shachar, the new Kohen Gadol is invested into his new position by bringing the Tamil Shal Shachar. But what is he invested into office with if the Kohen Gadol becomes Tamil after the Tamil Shal Shachar? So Ravada Barava said Ba'avne with his pure linen belt, which was different than the Kohen Hedyot's belt, which was made of shotness. Abai said, Before proceeding to the Yom Kippur service, he dons the eight begotten in the Kohen Gadol and turns part of the Tamid offering over on the fire of the Mizbech with a fork to hasten its burning. And this act is considered an avoda. And Rapapa said his performance of the Yom Kippur service, even without any other act, 
investing with his office, since only a Kongado can do the Avoda on Yom Kippur. So the twelve brothers who were fighting over who gets to put the model of the Mizbech in their room were finally convinced by the oldest brother, who pretended to be a newly invested Kongado on Yom Kippur with his linen belt that had belonged to him, that they didn't deserve it because their belts were made of shotness. Which reminds us, when Ravin arrived from Eretz Israel, he said that everybody agrees that the Avnet of the Kongado on Yom Kippur was made of pure linen, and the rest of the year his Avnet was made of Kalim. They disagree regarding the Avnet of a Kohen Hedyot, both on the other days of the year and on Yom Kippur. For Rebbe says it was made of Kalim, well, Rebbe Elizabeth Rebbe Shimon says it was made of pure linen. Therefore, according to Rebbe, the four Bagadim that the Kohen Hedyot wore were essentially the same as those worn by the Kongado throughout the year, besides his four additional Bagadim. Daf Yud Gimel, so the standard symbol for Yud Gimel is a Bar Mitzvah boy. So here goes. When the Bar Mitzvah boy, Bar Mitzvah boy, that must be more than Daf Yud Gimel. When the Bar Mitzvah boy saw his rival waiting to give his pshetel on the wings, which reminds us that when reviewed a state in the opening mission, the basin should prepare a second wife for the Kongadol, an event that the first one dies, the Chami responded, Im ken, If so, there's no end to the matter, meaning that if we must be concerned of the first wife's sudden death, then we would have to prepare for the possibility that the second wife might suddenly die as well. So the more questions why the Chami don't apply this objection to their own position that we need to prepare a second Kongadol in the event that the first Kongadol might become Tame. They should need to prepare a substitute for a substitute for it's likely that he might become Tame too. The Gemara answers Kongadol Zarisu, a Kongadol is conscientious to remain tower, and therefore it's unlikely that a second Kongadol will be needed. When the Gemara questions why then a substitute is required at all, if the Kohen is a Zaris, it answers Kevin to Avdin and Sara, since we prepare a rival for him, we'll certainly be even more conscientious about not becoming Tamei and seeing his rival take over. So when the Bar Mitzvah boy saw his rival waiting to give his pshat on the wings, he decided to really impress the crowd with his pilpul on what a Kohen Gadol says to two wives prior to Yom Kippur, which reminds us. The Gemara questions Rebbe Huda's position that a second wife needs to be prepared for the Kohen Gadol in the event that the first one dies. Beso Amrachman of Ahachla, Beso, the Torah said, and he shall atone for himself and for his household, referring to his wife, whereas this woman, who is not yet married to him, is not considered his household. The Gemara continues that if, in fact, he married her before Yom Kippur, there'd be another problem, that the word Beso implies that he has another wife and not two. So after rejecting numerous solutions, the Gemara finally arrives at an effective solution. He says to wife number two, this is your get on condition that wife number one does not die. He says, wife number one, this is your get on condition that I enter based on Nessus on Yom Kippur. If neither wife dies, wife number two was divorced all along since wife number one did not die. And he remains married to wife number one since her get was canceled because he didn't walk into a shul. If wife number two dies, she was divorced all along since the condition of her get that wife number one did not die was fulfilled. And he remains married to wife number one since her get was canceled as he did not walk into a shul. If wife number one dies, then wife number two's get is canceled since the condition was not fulfilled. If wife number one dies in Yom Kippur, then the Kohen Gadol, seeing that she's about to die, steps into a shul and validates her get so that she was divorced all along and he was only married to wife number two. So when the Bar Mitzvah boy saw his rival waiting to give his pshetel on the wings, he decided to really impress the crowd with his pilpa on what a Kohen Gadol says to two wives prior to Yom Kippur and why he continues to serve and won't come to eat if one of them dies. Which reminds us, it was taught in a brace of Kohen Gadol makriv onen ve'ena ocha. A Kohen Gadol brings karbanas while he's an onen, but he does not eat them. Rabbi Yudah says, Kohayom, the entire day. After Rabbi's first interpretation of Rabbi Yudah is rejected, he provides a second explanation. Rabbi Yudah meant to say that the Kongado may not serve the entire day of his aninas because of a gezer, lest he comes to eat of kadshim, which is forbidden. And Rabbi clarifies that on Yom Kippur, Rabbi Yudah would permit the Kongado to serve in the event that his wife dies, as he will not come to eat when no one else is eating. All right, now it's time to conclude their pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one, 
Which definitely when the Rekiva holds the Haza on a Tahar person makes him Tame, that's on Daf. Yadon. Good number two. Which stuff do we have a three email quotes regarding how the substitute Kohen Gadol is invested into office if the Kohen Gadol becomes Tameh after bringing the Tameh Shoshachar? That's on Dav. Yudbeis. Good number three. Which stuff do we have email quotes between Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim whether Chokhang Hashlim when it comes to affixing a mezuzah and a kippah, a curved archway? That's on Dav. Yudov. Good number four. Which of the one that having a second Kong Gadol on the wings will make the Kong Gadol even more of a Zaris? That's on Duff. Yud Gimel. Good number five. Which of the one that the Chamim hold that Shlomo Melch was perplexed as to why the one who touches the Mechatas for no reason becomes Tame? That's on Duff. Yudon. Good number six. Which of the one that one affixes a mezuzah on the right side since a person enters a house right foot first? That's on Duff. Yudov. Good number seven. Which Dafti Malkos regarding whether the Avnet of a Kohen Hedyot was made of linen or Shatnez? That's on Dav. Yudbeis. Good number eight. Which Dafti when the Reuno holds that a Kohen Gadol owning does not do the Avodah the entire day unless he comes to eat except in Yom Kippur when there's no concern of that? That's on Dav. Yudgimel. Good number nine. Which Dafti when the Mashiach comes after Rome overruns the entire world for nine months? That's on Dav. Yud, good. And number 10, which of the one how a second wife is prepared for the Kohen Gadol, according to Rabbi Yehuda, that's on Dav. Yud Gimel. Excellent. That concludes the pop quiz. This is Rabbi Vram Golden Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.